Now, the Daz Band. Oh, I love it. Is is the combination of dance and jazz. That was oh. their whole vision when they started. And I mean, like whip. Oh man, I mean, like let it whip is one of the great ones of all time. Seemed like an appropriate way to kick off episode. Where are we at? Two nineteen. 219 my cousin had a jukebox when i was growing up we thought they were very wealthy because they lived in richfield <laughs> and it's called richfield it is you expect. but they had a pool table and a jukebox Ooh. in the basement and daz band was on there and it was just we fucking just listened to that song all the time while playing uh pool and then eventually put the ping pong table on top of the pool table because it's the law and played many rounds of that, but God damn it, I love that song. I mean, Let It Whip by Daz Band. So is, good. It's canon, right? I mean, that's yeah. the real deal. Yes. And if you could skate backwards to that song, you know, at Skateland or Cheap Skate or Roller Porn or whatever you did, I don't know. Roller Porn? Settle you think down. that at some point there would have been Settle a Roller down. Porn? Oh, I promise you there's roller porn. Look, dude, look, rule 38. If if it exists, <laughs> there is porn of it. Um, so let's not let's not talk about porn right now. Let's talk about moving into a brand let's new Let's do year, it. 2022. That is Sean Bernard. My name is Brian Oak. It is the Brian Oak Show episode. Which one? 219? 219. Which episode on Pornhub is roller porn? I don't know. Yeah, I you, I've not tried that one. I, I, don't, I, I know what I you're appreciate, talking about. I appreciate your pretending at innocence, but I know that you actually know. But we'll yeah. leave it right there. Uh, anyway, it's time to start a new episode of The Brian Oak Show. You know, doing this podcast has been very informative for me. Not only, well, I mean, like everyone that's been on this show, I've met at least in passing. But then we sit down and we have a conversation and we get to know a lot more about each other, which is kind of what it should be about, right? It's about conversation. It's not about sensation. It's not about trying to find the weirdness and the craziness, but let's figure out what we're all doing. And especially at this, again, an uncertain time, you know, Sean, you and I started this podcast at the birth of the pandemic. And yes. We saw it coming. We saw it rolling in in waves when we very first started back in late 2019. And then it got real heavy in 2020. And then it just kept going through 2021. And here we are in 2022, a time that we all thought we're going to break free. We're going to grow wings. We're going to move. We're going to get back to the life that we all loved and everything that everyone adored. And nope, here we go. It's shutting down again due to Omicron. You, my dear friend, are diagnosed officially with COVID. Are you all right? I am. Um, we recorded a show earlier today and I was feeling pretty good. And right now I'm in that weird, almost feverish stage where I've, I felt better than I felt worse. And I felt kind of disconnected from my own body for a little bit, yep. which is okay because it's slimming to have that happen. Well, I don't know that it's actually slimming unless you shit yourself, um, which I don't. I don't wish on anyone. No, I mean, not again. Jesus, settle down. It is the Brian Oak Show, episode two nineteen, made possible by the good people at Smart Start MN. Before we get any further and say anything even worse, let's go ahead and thank the good people at Smart Start for doing everything they've done for our podcast since day one. Literally since before day one. They signed on before they heard a single episode, and here we are 219 episodes later, and somehow they still haven't given up on us. I'm not sure what's wrong with Ed and Mike, but I really appreciate their commitment to the bit, man. I feel like I owe them an apology because their name is Smart Start. <laughs> their name is Smart Start, and I always start out just being a dipshit, like, 15-year-old. Um, well... But it's but in my nature because I'm playful. I, I'm playful. I, I want to have fun. Someone once described some, I, I forget what food it was, but they said this food is so white, it started its own podcast. <laughs> and that, that hurts. That, that hit really close to home. That hit really well, close to home. It's also, about not, not untrue. No, it's about having a good time. And, and I think a lot of people want to have a good time. And then they go out and they drink and they drive and they're like, what the fuck? And then they get picked up. And then they lose their license. But the good friends, the good folks at Smart Start MN, they went to bat for all these folks and said, look, you're going to lose your license, but we want to help you get back into your car so you can drive sober. 
while you're waiting to see how things turn out in court. If you go to smartstartmn.com slash the Brian Oak Show, you'll get 20% off the installation of the ignition interlock system. Well, think about it. Like, I mean, people, like lawyers are like almost like Jedi, right? Like they know they things are. about the world we live in that we couldn't possibly begin to comprehend, but they're able to help you navigate those roads, even if you're not standing in court, like talking to a good lawyer, talking to someone who knows how to navigate the legal system, even if it's one of these esoteric side roads, you need them in your life. And they, they do a really good job. Ed and Mike and the whole crew over at Smart Start MN, they were there at the beginning of Minnesota's ignition interlock system the whole the whole birth of it they were there to help create what happened they worked with the legislature they worked with the judiciary they worked with the whole crew to make this a thing that's possible and we owe them a lot we personally but people in general who make this mistake of driving while you drink which by the way don't it's weird having a primary sponsor that i hope no one ever calls but you're going to need to call them at some point. If not you, someone you love, someone you know, someone that you appreciate, someone that you hope gets their shit back on track, smartstartmn.com slash Brian Oak Show. They will help you get back to where you need to be. So, Sean, you are officially COVID positive. Um, that's aggressive. Are you feeling okay? Are you doing all right? I, you know what, all in all, I'm I'm fine. I just feel like I've got a bad cold and like maybe a mild fever, but I am fully vaxxed and boosted. I was really safe, wore the mask, did all that stuff, but the way it sounds like uh, Omicron is spreading, people are getting it kind of no matter what they do. The odd thing is that my wife doesn't have it, which will show you how much action I'm getting. <laughs> wow no she she uh, no that's i was that was kind of a prepared statement um yeah, for my oh, lawyer but but no the uh, <laughs> no she, she doesn't have it she's like she's tested twice already she's like i i, I don't have it i'm like i've told you how lonely i am <laughs> it's weird when people in the same house like one gets it have you've had i mean i've had friends that that's happened to and i'm like this is odd that people in the same house both my wife and my child have tested positive. Yeah. I've had 16 tests yes. so far, so good, clean. Maybe I had it at some point. Maybe I didn't. Maybe I missed it. Maybe it was a bad test. I have no idea. But my daughter, who had it and tested the next day positive, we were face-to-face -face looking at her photos of the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame for over an hour. There's no way I wouldn't have caught it from her. But apparently I didn't. Now, I've been not feeling great lately. I've been up and down. Yeah. Had a cold recently. Maybe that, that was my COVID experience. I don't know. Yeah. But we're all, I think you said the right thing. Everybody who has any understanding. And now, this may come as a surprise, Sean. I'm not an epidemiologist. What? Right, exactly. Right. <laughs> but I I have heard from people who know a lot more about science and contractual diseases than I do, that we're all going to get Omicron. It's going to come. It's going to happen. But here's the thing. You felt yeah. bad. You had what felt like a cold, but you're not intubated in the hospital, which I'm very grateful for, because that sounds like a nightmare and the hospitals are overwhelmed. So before we get to our guest today, I want to get to him soon here because, you know, Sean's not feeling well. I I got boosted over the weekend and I felt fine the last few mornings, but by about midday, felt like I was hit by a tranquilizer dart. dart. Um, I know people who work in the healthcare industry and they too, are yeah. literally overwhelmed. They are, it's worse now than it was during the first massive wave of last year or the year prior. It's bad. And so without trying to sound like a dick, get your fucking vaccination and get your fucking booster. The, the science and the math are very, very simple. People are like, do your research. I'm like, no, you know what? There are people who spent eight years studying epidemiology who say, 
get your booster, get your vaccination, do your fucking homework. These people did homework for eight years. <clears throat> your internet research means nothing to me. Get vaccinated, get boosted. Let's let's just get past this. I'm so fucking tired of it, Sean. How do you? Well, and if nothing else, <clears throat> what I've realized is that I may not ever accomplish anything great in my life, but I will not be the asshole that takes up a fucking bed. Uh, because I decided to do something selfish and not get vaccinated. I will not be that guy. And that's where it begins and ends for me is that, look, I, I just don't want to do any damage. So I'm going to go ahead and trust the scientists and trust, you know, that the medical community and the professionals, and I'm not going to take up a bed for somebody that has a kid with cancer that had just had a heart attack that has a knife wound or an accidental uh, rubber band incident. I don't know what that means. <laughs> I don't know what that means. <laughs> yeah, I, well, but I was just hoping I, you were paying attention. Usually, I can tell if Brian's kind of like, "What the? What is he?" What is no, he no, I, I heard it. And it didn't <laughs> okay. Make any sense? And so I know I like, that's because I'm oh, I'm like sweating. It's not it. good. I feel like I've just run a short distance because I'm sweating. That, so. That's fine. Our point is. Do the right thing, man. Yes. Like I'm like I'm not telling anybody what to believe politically. The fact that people have politicized this, it 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 breaks my heart and it hurts my stomach because we all have to move forward together. Now we may come out on the far side of this and still hate each other for various other political reasons. Well, yeah. Let's just <laughs> let's well, that's a given, right? <laughs> let's just live let's just live through covid and then we can get back to hating each other for even yes. stupider reasons right exactly so exactly get, get your fucking backs get your fucking boost wear your fucking mask it's not over and let's move forward speaking of moving forward up next we're going to talk to a celebrated local singer songwriter doug collins who does great work and we're going to hear a bunch of his music but before we do I had a song in my head when I woke up this morning. It's weird, right? Like every once in a while when you wake up at 4 a.m. like every single fucking day like I do for my job, <laughs> um, you're like, you're either coming out of a weird dream or you're thinking yes. of a thing. And I set a series of eight alarms just to make sure I get my ass out of bed every day. Yep. And this song came into my head. Now, this is one of my favorite pop groups of all time. They're called the New Pornographers and they are centered around the main singer songwriter, A.C. Newman who, you know, people hear new pornographers. Well, I certainly can't sign on for something like that. Hey! This is one of the greatest <laughs> pop bands that has existed, sophisticated pop bands that has existed in North American history, in my humble opinion. And, you know, I was born in Portland, Oregon. I've lived here since I was two, year old, two years old. I promise you I'm a Minnesotan. But I've been to the Pacific Northwest probably 30 maybe 35 times in my adult life or in my whole life throughout all the spectrum of it if i didn't love it here so much that's the place i would live and this band comes from british columbia and they bring this beautiful gorgeous well articulated pop sensibility to it it's not only the wonderful melodies but it's also the lyricism I'm kind of a sucker for both, right? Like, I mean, I love a good melodic pop song, mm -hmm. and I can forgive the occasional, you know, clumsy lyricism. But man, when the two are married together like AC Newman does it, there's nothing else like it. And so this is the title track from a recent album of theirs that I absolutely adore. This is Whiteout Conditions by the new pornographers on The Brian Oak Show.
They've got this incredible breadth and depth of releases that range from the very dynamic to the very, very, well, occasionally dour. These things happen. Um, but <laughs> if you are someone who is going through a hard time, even if you don't have COVID, right, even if that's never touched anywhere near your life, this time of year can be difficult for people. I, I recommend looking up Whiteout Conditions, looking up the lyrics and giving that song another listen because I absolutely adore it. I liked it. I'd never heard it before, before it's, today. They're, they're so, so very good, man. I mm -hmm. love A.C. Newman. And he's got other incredible people who support him. But Nico Case is also often a frequent collaborator. They're just they're one of my very, very favorite bands on the planet right now. Today's guest has been called, and I quote, one of the most brilliant songwriters to emerge from the Twin Cities in nearly two decades, that according to SouthernMinn.com, Doug Collins, he is a great writer, uh, a very engaging performer, and someone who I've been lucky enough to get to know personally over the recent years. Um, Doug, hello, how are you? Good, how are you doing? Good. Hey, sorry to have to do this by Zoom. We were hoping to do this in person, but there's a certain plague carrier in our midst. I, uh, so. Yeah. And you're feeling great, too. So I feel like this is the best week for me to be doing. <laughs> I'm so we'll sorry, have you man. back. I, we got to have you back at some point in person. So we'll have you in person at some point, maybe even to play live. But today, sadly, is not that day. But we do have you here right now. So, yes. Doug, for the people who are not familiar and intimate with doug collins and who he is a couple of rapid fire questions yes where are you from right. i'm from outside of i'm from eldridge iowa which is outside of davenport Iowa. eldridge eldridge that's like an ancient dark witchy name like did you grow up in a family <laughs> you, uh, you ought to see you ought to see the town thank you. <laughs> hey hello uh, hello folks thank you i'm fired today all right I love you so iowa. that's where I you're do. from when did you first decide I'm making music and that's who I am. Wow. Um, I don't know. I, I mean, probably like 18, you know, graduated from high school. I wanted to do it in high school, but there weren't a lot of opportunities in rural Iowa and that's no slam against where I'm from. And then I moved to um, Iowa City and I thought it was amazing. And yes. then moved, uh, it's the Paris of Iowa. And then we, uh, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> the Paris of Iowa. Trust me, if you grew up where I did, if you, yes. I still remember going, my mom is from, was from Iowa City and we'd go there and I would be like, I remember going to the record stores in high school and being like, yes. can I get the new REM record? And they're like, what? I'm like, the REM record, <laughs> R-E-M. And I'm like, okay. <laughs> All right. Sure. No, dude, I grew up in I, I grew up in Coon Rapids. So when I moved to Minneapolis when I was 19, 
I thought I was in Andy Warhol's factory. I, oh, I thought sure. I thought I had moved to New York City from Coon Rapids. So I, I get it. Like, you, it's all perspective, right? But like, sure. suddenly you're in this place where you're like, what is all this cool shit? Like, I, where was that when I was growing up? So right. how old are you when you go to Iowa City for the first time? I was 18. And I remember talking to some, I realized I was finally, I could have a conversation with someone about the Velvet Underground. Right. Because no one I knew listened to that stuff. I'm not saying that was like I had the Rolling Stone record guide. So that was all how I could ever get any kind of information free Internet right. and going there and just meeting people like that and seeing like there were people like me. And aren't we always always searching for a community? Right. Yes, of course. And so that seeing that and then seeing like friends getting into bands and then I started playing in bands and then moved across the country and. I had lived in Boston for a while, and then me and my then wife uh, were wanting to move back to the Midwest. And we had two choices, which Chicago or Minneapolis. And I said, well, it has to be Minneapolis. And she said, why? And I said, well, that's where the replacements are from. So I've lived here 30 plus years because I really liked Paul Westerberg a lot. Well, you're not alone, I don't think, in that regard. And I think that before everyone moved to Seattle, in 1990 or just before everything broke wide open minneapolis was seattle right before seattle was seattle so moving here because of the replacements i mean like do you remember where you were or what the first song you you heard from the replacements oh sure it was on uh krui which was the student station at the university of iowa and they played let it uh off let it be they played i will dare Nice. Oh, and, it's, oh, and it's one of those songs. Love you know, that. I think we all have those songs that um, I, when it was over, I was mad because it was just like, <laughs> what is this joy? Yeah, yeah. It had everything that I liked in a song and it wasn't old. It was like brand new. This had not existed. Yeah. I was on the same timeline instead of having to be like the guy who liked the Beatles when the Beatles had already broken up. Just like, <laughs> this new music. Right. And it was... It was eye-opening. And then I got, you know, and then once you fall into that hole, you know, then all of a sudden you realize, like, you know, Minneapolis and, you know, Soul Asylum was always coming down to play. And mm-hmm. like, um, the wallets, I saw the wallets open up for psychedelic furs back in, like, 1985. So you see. Oh, like, the furs. I love the furs. Oh, yeah. They were, they were amazing. They were amazing. And so, you know, and so were the wallets because they were so fucking yeah. weird. Just like. <laughs> Well, they were, and it was yeah. that was why they were so great. It's just like, yeah. okay, why don't you run around the stage playing an accordion <laughs> and singing song weird songs? I think there's a song about a snake, maybe. I don't know, <laughs> but I remember but, just being like, all right, I'm but also all in. also not only playing the accordion but wearing a beret. Yes, the, the number of times when I was as a teenage boy watching the wallets live on a stage at some outdoor festival or some weird little place. I'm like, what am I actually fucking looking at? Like I had no context, right? So you right. bring up a you bring up a great year, like 1984, when Let It Be dropped. Yeah. That's the same year that Zen Arcade dropped, same year that uh 1999 dropped. Um it, it was it was a really, really important year in Minnesota music. It was a defining moment, and I think it changed a lot of us, right? Like you didn't have any context for what you were watching. I mean, all of a sudden, all the things, and again, we all like stole records from our parents and we all listened to the radio, but then suddenly you're living in a town, you're near a town, you are in an area that's literally defining the future of music and everything changes forever. Right. Well, it's like, I remember being in that age and friends of mine went to Minneapolis and they came back and they told us about we went to First Avenue and we were all like, we all knew mm-hmm. First Avenue because of Prince. And we were yeah, all like, you know, kind of like, tell us more. What, right. you know, think, and you know, now we've all been there, you know, so many times and I never take it for granted because I'll always remember like walking in there for the first time. Uh-huh. But it, now it's just like, you know, it's a club. But yet when you hear about it, when you're so far away from anything, you know, when you're in rural Iowa and the only person that you know that is from iowa is radar o'reilly from mass you know and we're only 300 miles you know we're like less than a day's less than a work day's drive to minneapolis and hearing them talk about like and then and then we just always thought like oh did you see prince like he's just walking around (laughs) so that that point right there so in 1984 uh, uh, doing um, sort of uh, air guitar and these sort of like pseudo bands 
I would go out to see my cousins in Oregon. And when they knew I was from Minnesota, once Prince blew up, they're like, you've been to First Avenue? I'm like, yeah, I've been there a couple of times. They're like, was his motorcycle parked right out front? And I'm like, no, no, it, it was not. <laughs> yes, it, yes, ab- it, was. it absolutely was not. <laughs> um, but I mean, but obviously he was part of putting that place on the map. But it was it was an important, an important time. Yes. And obviously it helped inform you and your desire to be a musician. Yeah. Oh, very much so. And then coming here, it was just like, I remember driving down Lindale and seeing the CC Club. Oh, yeah. And I knew, and of course, you know, yeah. it's like I had the replacements trading cards, for God's sakes. I, mean, <laughs> I know the CC Club. I know. And I remember, you know, and once again, it's just like, did I look like the biggest fucking sap in the world? Because I know I walked in there like this, you know, I died yeah. around. First of all, this is where the replacements hung out, you know. And then, like, once again, is Paul Westerberg here? Maybe he <laughs> might be here right yeah. now. And of course he wasn't, but that's, you know, but still, it's just like, not you know, that day. There's a mythology to when you live far away from things, you build things up in your mind. And then when you go and see that it's real, it's both comforting and kind of a letdown. Well, and yes, the universe seeks a balance, right, Doug? Right, right. Well, I mean, to me, it's it's not unlike, you know, seeing the Let It Be stuff, uh, the Beatles Let It Be uh, movies seeing like you know you build that stuff up and if i would have seen that as a kid i would have been let down because it's just like i didn't want them to be human no right. at right. that age you know now of course i love it i'm just like they fight just like bands fight <laughs> <laughs> which i'm sure you know plenty about and we'll get to shortly we've gone too long without hearing a song and i hate yes. going too long without music i don't know if it's the radio guy in me or what but we have a few of your songs we're going to feature today this first one is called conversations with my heart so tell me where are you at in the recording process where this song comes from and why you chose to play this one first um this is one it, it, it just the line came to me and it wrote itself and it's so funny sometimes you can remember exactly where you were in this one i can't remember hardly anything about it. <laughs> but it's one of those ones that i played it and with the band and all of a sudden it's just like it really felt good immediately and um and so then we recorded it and then we had a video made and then you know it got ra- a lot of, it got radio play over in spain and in portugal and so i was able to go over there and um have people sing along i would play the song and the audience would sing it back to me which is the only time that has ever happened in my life and i'm still <laughs> just kind of like it's one of those things you look around and just like all right come on seriously <laughs> <laughs> You know, it's the Iowa schlub in me that um, doesn't believe that stuff. But yeah, it's it's just one of those songs that I'm just ve- I'm very proud about how the whole thing the whole thing turned out how I wanted it to, and that does not happen very often. I gotta have a conversation with my heart. Lately, it's been doing things that are tearing me apart. down the street and someone smiles at me why do you always skip a beat why do you never Spell it out for you 
H-E-A-R-T If you who are trying to make me blue Then why do you keep doing All these things to me I gotta have a conversation with my heart Lately it's been doing things that are tearing me apart Or at least a small vacation I gotta have a conversation With my heart Doug, I'm going to ask you a question And I don't want you to think that I'm being sarcastic or taking the piss but when you hear that you have gained some traction overseas, right? It's a little bit like Spinal Tap, where it's like the Spinal Tap recording of Sex Farm has gone number one in Japan. Yes. Like, what? What's the first con? I mean, what is your reaction? Like, who told you, like, hey, shit, your thing's really happening in Portugal? Like, I mean, what, what's that <laughs> like? Who told you that? Well, I, I, you get emails. You know, I would I was setting up a tour for Spain because I had gotten some interest from these record stories in Madrid and Barcelona. So right. I'm just like, wait, 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 Barcelona, Barcelona, <laughs> like <Castilian laughs> friend, very good. <laughs> Ibiza. Um, so, so I got that information and started to plan a tour, and then out of the blue, I got a email from a booking agent over there and said we love your record. We want to get you over here. And I said, I'm already set up like half this tour. And he's like, I'll take care of the rest. Got me, you know, interviewed. I was in, you know, the record got really good reviews over there. And so got radio play. So when we went over there, what I was expecting was, you know, the me and the van stories, you know what I mean? It's just like, you know, and you guys, I'm sure know in some way, shape or form, like when you're have to have people around you expecting to have an audience and then there's like no one you know <laughs> yeah. no one whoa, i mean that's whoa, the, that's whoa. the life of a performer you know that's it is. It is. it's part of it's part of it and that's fine it was for me it was just like oh we're just gonna go and then we went over there and then there was i mean i'm it was just it was amazing i'm not gonna downplay it i'm not gonna try and push it away as why I, would you I mean, when you because talk i'm from the, iowa brian well, okay <laughs> <laughs> And I'm from Coon Rapids, all right? So I get it. But, well, you're from the but, big but, city. The, the big city. Um, when, but when you talk about, like, you go somewhere abroad mm-hmm. and people are singing your lyrics along with you, I mean, that's heady stuff, man. But it's also part of the contract, right? Like, part of what we've all been missing for the last couple of years, with everything shutting down, oh everything God, being yeah. limited. Like, there is there's a thing. Like, you're doing a song that you know is a good song, but you don't get to go out and play it. You know, but look, when you did get to go out and play it, like that whole thing of like those people feeling it, you're feeling it, that biofeedback loop, that's the nature of live performance, right? I mean, Sean and I talk about this all the time on the show with so many artists over the last two years. Again, we started a podcast at the, at the beginning of lockdown. And so we've talked to so many artists, but I mean, but you, prior to that heaviness, you go abroad and there are people in a foreign country who English might not be their first language are singing your song back to you. That's gotta be heady stuff, man. Yeah. Yeah. It was great. I mean, it was, it was mind blowing because just like, you know, and then I don't know, you know, articles in the paper, you know, the Rolling Stone of Spain. I ended up talking to Paul Collins of the beat of that band. He found out I was going over there and reached out to me and said, if you have any questions about Spain, so why well, I'm in a fetal position because I'm just like I'm <laughs> somehow. So he, I talked to him and he's just like, yeah. Because I was just like, are the things these people saying are true? Because how do we know? You know, what do I know about the Spain music scene? He's just like, you're doing everything right. I ended up being like the album was named the third best American release. Of blah blah blah. Uh, I don't even remember what year. And and I said, is this? Is this a legit magazine? He said, it's a huge magazine. Right. 
So it's just like, I, yeah. So you go over there and then you do it and then you come back and then, you know. It, it, it's, to me, it's, it's so weird. Like, you know, like I've met people who are like, oh yeah, we had the number two album in Holland in 2002. I'm like, what? Like, how did they even hear about it? Like, like these weird conduits right. towards market, right? I mean, like the internet has changed everything, but as the old school way was merging with the new school way, the number of people who've like all of a sudden like, oh, in Eritrusca, we are the number one band of the spring of 1998. Right. It, it, it's so bizarre, but also super awesome, man. Yeah, like, it is. I mean, gotta it, love, you gotta love when your music resonates. Yes. Oh, yeah. I mean, isn't that what it's all about? I talked earlier about connection, and that's what I think art is always striving to do, because I think we're all basically think we're in this alone, and we are. We're born alone, blah, blah, blah. But, I mean, to get through whoa, the whoa, day... Whoa, whoa, whoa. Does that mean we die alone? No, not at all. You die with Jesus Christ. Um, <laughs> here we go, Doug. All here right. we go. Hold How on. many oh, times does he have to die? Okay. <laughs> wow. wow. I'm sorry. I took that in a bad direction. Please oh, no, no, no. Quick. No, but no. Uh, but I mean, and that's what I think what we try and do as artists and what you guys are trying to do too. So I mean, and it's just a different kind of art form where it's just like, we're lonely. We're all looking for comfort. We're all looking for someone, you know, like that hand to hold in the darkness. And yeah. that's what I think great art does. And be it movies, be it TV, TV books, but especially music, I think, because music is a, it's super short, you know, a song is, you know, to quote Pete Townsend, two minutes, 50 by nature. And then, <laughs> and then, it's that short and then it hits these different parts really quickly. I mean, you can read a book and then you reflect on it, but when you're living that moment, like what I was saying about I Will Dare, every neuron pleasure yeah. center was just firing. And also my heart was, you know, it's kind of like this song, it's a little heartbreak in there as well. And I'm just like, it's everything all put together in this nice little package. And how lucky are we to have that? You know, it, I mean? it's the whole bit, right? Like, I mean, like, so Sean and I are both uh, avowed music heads and doesn't make us right, doesn't make us wrong. And we don't get to pick mm -hmm. what we love. But when you hear it, it changes you. It, yeah. it moves you. It, it transports you to a place that you weren't at before that always goes away too soon. So let me ask you this. Long before you found the magic of the Minnesota scene, long before mm -hmm. you found all these things that made the Midwest in the mid 80s, this incredible cauldron of unbelievable musical sorcery. When you were younger, you found something first. Do you remember the first thing that made you feel that tingle, that made you feel that thing that sure. is is the bit? Sure. I mean, well, I mean, I, I think we were very lucky to grow up in the era of 70s AM radio, which played everything. Because mm -hmm. there wasn't that many... The great thing about now is you can find anything you want, but in the, you know, it's like back in the day, there was only two channels. There was the AM one and the FM one. Right. And one time the AM one, when I was very tiny played, um, I'll never forget it. It was, uh, to Sir with love by Lulu. Oh, wow. Because it has, um, those school girl days, it goes from, this is a little music talking, like A to C from a one to a three. Mm. And it's not, a, it's not a normal thing that a song does. So that's usually different. And I remember hearing that and being like my spine going, and also just being that, yeah. just, once again, it has that kind of like melodic heartbreak that I just love. And I still, it's just like, it's a weird song because who, I can't imagine wanting to be a teacher and having my students sing me that, but <laughs> it's still a great, great song. There's just something about it. And it's just like, it's so, it it's grabbed me as a four-year-old and I listened to it just the other day and it was just like, it still works. Well, and Sean and I talk about this all the time. You don't get to pick what you love. When you, I love that you referenced your spine because that's where it all happens, right? Yep. Up here, cerebral cortex, down the spine when something hits that thing it's why queens of the stone age are my favorite band i don't have any idea why i don't understand shit about music theory but when i listen to their music i go into that sort of oh. paralysis not paralysis but just sort of that like all of a sudden i'm where i want to be before we go any further yes. um i don't want i hate to go too long without hearing songs um tell me about i saw you dancing um I wrote this 
I was somewhere and I saw somebody dance and I was just like, you know, whoa, whoa, whoa. hold on, hold on. I know, that's I know. A, I'm giving a, it all that's away. That's a super, that's a I, I super crap story. Um, I was somewhere and I saw someone dancing. All right, let's it, okay, I spill was the tea. At a concert and I can't even remember who was playing and I saw somebody dancing. And I remember okay, thinking which, like, which is fine, but I'm like, Man, there were literally no details in that story whatsoever. <laughs> I, ha I am not very, I'm not a sharer, but I will share. <laughs> um, and honestly, I don't. It's like one of those Come on, we're here. Like, this I, is therapy, Doug. It, it this is. is therapy. This is, it is. Thank Doug, you. This You're is safe, safe here. This is a safe place. It, you is, can tell, it is a safe place. You can tell all the stories. Where were you? You Drum were, circle, Doug. It was. It, it was <laughs> oh, hold on, take it off my shirt now. Hold on. A I see no, that. No, what no, the hell no, is that? No. A third nipple, Doug? This isn't. This it's isn't that safe a place. This isn't that safe a place. But do tell me about this song, please. Well, the thing is, it, like I was saying earlier about writing another song, just like you don't necessarily remember the details. I remember seeing an image of somebody dancing, and I thought that is that's a great song because I, I just thought like the idea of somebody dancing. I was thinking, what if that was my girlfriend or what? And then, of course, then it's just like, who likes a happy song? Then it's just like, what if that was the girl that I, what, what if that was the girl I once had? And then that resonates because, I mean, joy is not something I do get joy from listening to music, but I never get done listening to a song and be like, I'm happy. I want to have, I just don't. I, I usually hear it. It's just like you hear those super sad songs. And if they're done right, they hit you in a way that's mm -hmm. like, it's cathartic and also comforting. And also like, once again, you know, I've, I've met something that is, I'm having a connection with. And that's what that song was kind of about. Like, we all know that feeling of seeing your old partner across the room and you see them with somebody else. Yeah. And that was kind of the whole thing uh, regarding that. So there, I opened up a little bit. saw you dancing It was beautiful to see I saw you dancing But it wasn't with me I saw you moving Slow across the I saw you moving, reminding me of before. I don't know if you loved me. That was so long ago. I saw you dancing 
Doug, when it comes to how you approach a song, right? I mean, like you bring obviously a ton of influences. We're all sort of a composite of the things we've experienced before. But I mean, like not everybody brings gorgeous slide guitar into a song. Like, mm -hmm. do you do you in, do you go into a song thinking this one's going to have an old school country feel or this one's going to have a weird post punk or new wave feel or I mean, do you let the song come to you or do you approach a song with like, no, I want this song to sound like this? How do songs come to you? Usually it's um, it's a line, you know, just one line that just like sounds good. And it's just like this sounds like a lyric. And then then it's all elbow grease, you know, it's just all sweat. And I mean, it's the best feeling in the world if you talk to, you know, musician friends and I talk songwriting friends talk about this all the time where it's just like the best feeling is getting that like I have an idea for a song and then of course you go through that thing where it's just like well this is easily the best song that's ever been written <laughs> and then um and then you go through it then it's just like and rarely 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 well of course it's not a not the best song ever written but it's never what you immediately picture it as either but you just have to kind of trust your gut and see how the how the song unfolds to you because i've had songs before i had a song years and years and years ago and i thought it sounded exactly like a big star song and i was really happy but i was having trouble singing it and i dropped it down like three keys and then it sounded exactly like um a ccr song <laughs> so it's just like wow okay li listen you know listen to your process because so many times too like i'll be playing a song and i'll think I have it, then I'll fuck up the chords, which is right. normal. And then all of a sudden, just like, well, that fuck up sounded better than what I was doing before. So let's follow that path. You just have to let yourself be don't don't get in the way is the main thing. Because yeah, I mean, you can go in there and say, like, I want to write a song and we'll just say the Ronettes right now because of uh, oh, Ronnie, yeah. uh, God God your soul. And um, say if you wanted to write that kind of song, nine times out of 10, you're not going to be able to do it. Right. And so you box yourself in right away. But if you say, I want to write a song about, and you have like something to lead the way, you have your little guiding line, you know, like this one, the song that I wrote, I saw you dance. I had that line. Mm -hmm. Where do, where do I go from here? And then you, you write a bunch of stuff and you throw out a bunch of stuff. And, and that's, you know, I remember reading all these Beatle books when I was young. So I was huge, huge Beatle fan. And they never really went into the process. And I just always thought it was just like, well, they're geniuses. <laughs> yeah. They all, all they have to do is they, well, they are. write it. And you don't realize that it's just like them writing over versions. and over. Yeah. And, you know, I've heard like all this bootleg stuff of theirs and they're singing and they're singing shitty because they're human beings. And then they, you know, they get it together and they put it all together and they, they're good editors and they make it work wonderfully. And finding that out as, way too late in the my adulthood that it's just like really so that's all it takes you know it takes work and we're not you know it's not the creative thing is always like it's so mystical it's not it's so, so much did of it you, just hard work did you did you watch get back the oh, documentary yes I so did. i mean so i want to ask you your big takeaways because obviously we all revere the Beatles, right? And yep. for people who are, are able to easily poo-poo the Beatles, again, you don't have to love their music, but to deny their place in the rock pantheon mm -hmm. is to be an, an admitted idiot, right? I mean, like right. they wrote some of the greatest songs of all time. So watching Get Back to Me was revelatory in a few ways. One mm -hmm. is to watch them just fucking around, right? Yes. I mean, like, like lots of that almost too much of it like nine hours was a long time man yeah. It, yeah. It, it it's grueling even though you're watching some of the greatest most influential musicians of the of the modern era do their thing even when they're screwing around but then to sit down and watch paul mccartney literally out of the ether like a sorcerer conjure up some of the most iconic songs of our time yeah. or prior to our time you know, uh, like literally like, oh, I'm thinking about this do, 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 and like, you're like, holy shit. He literally just wrote that riff for the first yeah. time. Right. Or, or to watch George Harrison come in and be like, oh, here's a song I wrote last night. 
literally sits down on the drum stand and plays I Me Mine basically in its finished version, yeah. only to watch fucking Paul poo-poo it and turn and talk to an underling. I, there, there, I, my emotions were so conflicted throughout the course of that thing. A, everyone owes fucking Yoko Ono a serious apology. Sure. Off yes, the top. Yes, definitely. But also, I mean, it's so complex, but also very real and very normal and very human. Being a music student and fan as you are, what was your biggest takeaway from Get Back? I think the main thing is, once again, it's just like the whole, as you used the phrase, revelatory thing of the humanness of them. Mm -hmm. Because we're taught, you know, or, you know, you watch these things and they're the best band ever. And I mean, you know, I think they are, but that's just, I know that's just my opinion. But of course, like you said, you can't deny their greatness. And, right. but then seeing like, it's just like, you know, George, you know, I mean, Paul starts playing Get Back and Ringo and George are just kind of watching it and they're kind of bored. Then all of a sudden, <laughs> well, there, there, you're just like, yeah. Here's fucking song. Yeah. Yeah. Go ahead. Okay. But then all of a sudden you can just see you can just see Ringo's head tilts and he starts clapping yep. the beat. And it's just like that part was like, fuck. And also yeah. the other part yeah. of like <laughs> the songwriting part of like, you know, here's poor George getting shit upon the whole time by John right. and Paul. Right. And yet, and yet Ringo's fucking around on the piano. And George says some smart ass thing like, oh, so you found a minor Ringo. And he's just like, <laughs> and he's just like, and then he goes over and he helps him write Oct Octopus's Garden. He exactly. doesn't say like, this is stupid. We got other stuff to do. George is like all love. Like, yep. yeah, yep. no, here, we'll go to the F to the G. And then J Ringo's just like, he helps me with the song. With the song. <laughs> It's like, hey, you know, it's just like, show me the rabbits, George, you know, that kind of thing. Oh, like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Heavy duty. Is that a, of Mice and Men reference yes. right there? Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> wow. All right, before we wrap up, because we do have to wrap things up here shortly, um, where is ground zero for Doug Collins' music? Like, if people want to know, A, what you've written, B, what's coming up, C, when you're playing, D, whatever the fuck, where is the best place for people to stay on top of what's happening with Doug Collins? DougCollinsMusic.com. That seems relatively simple. That's uh, pretty before, straightforward. It really is, okay. and well done on your part. Before we wrap things up, I realize, Sean, we haven't yet talked about your efforts. Now, we always talk about your efforts in terms of what you do with this particular show. You know, co-LLC owner, producer, mastermind, if you will. Uh, but you also have this small little side hustle of being a realtor for Edina Realty at the 50th and <laughs> France location, um, which I understand may be a part of your income, whatever, but this is a weird time of year, right? I mean, like we're in the early part of January. This is not normally the time people move, but it is the time that people start thinking about what the new year looks like. Well, yeah, and some people thought about it even last summer and reached out to me and some people named Heather that Doug might know. Yeah, I know her. Yeah, know her. she's good. Yeah, people. well, she's yeah, really, and it, she's all right. She's all and right. And there's there's people who have lived in a place for years, and they say to themselves, "Okay, if I'm going to do this next summer, I better get working now." And so sometimes they just go out and walk through a place with people and give them some tips and advice. And I've actually got about four of those that I started out last summer and and talked to people about what they're going to do this year. Um, with helping them get their place together. And sometimes it's like, let's do this and not do that. And you don't have to do everything, uh, but get the place uh, in order and, and looking good to, to go on the market. Um, I'm going to do the same thing this year as I did last year. A portion of every buy and sell goes to a local artist or musician. It'd be really weird if Heather didn't choose Doug uh, as her person to donate let's, to. Let's not make it weird, man. Let's she not make it weird. She wants. Let's not make it weird. Whatever she wants. What whatever makes her happy is what I always say. So you always say that you got the shirts I always and everything. Say that starting right now. So, you do. Six one two eight five nine two five nine four. I have a question for Doug. Yes. So Doug. Yeah. You're, you say this on Facebook, so I don't think I'm sharing any secrets, but you're a guy who battles some anxiety just like I do. Sure, yeah. What helps you the most as far as being a musician You know, to, to, to give you an escape? Is it playing music? Is it seeing music? Is it a mix of both? It's is it just getting both. out of your own head or what? Yeah, I mean, a lot of it is getting out of your head because that's where all the problems are. Yes, right? exactly. You know? And, you know, and also during this time, again, it's just like, 
there are no gigs. I mean, there are no gigs. I have a gig next Friday. The yes. <laughs> but um, <laughs> um, but the, you should, right now there's not. There's not that opportunity to go out and play. And I said this the other day, half joking. I, I set out something saying about anxiety on Facebook of all places. And all of a sudden, talk again about connection. It's just like people responded to that. Yes. And that really kind of, that helped me. And then honestly, the next day, then I, because, I, you know, you get you get down and then all the things that bring you pleasure don't, you know, my guitar is not, you know, it's just like, usually it's yeah. like, you know, just even if I just strum two chords, just like, okay, that's better. But the other day it was just like, nothing was working, but then finding yep. out that you're not alone in this, you know, in these feelings and this time that we're in, that's so confusing. With and no permanent answer in sight. Right. And that's what right. is so anxiety inducing for me. Right. It's just, well, I want to fucking know got on me because somebody told me this is yeah. the start of year three. Yes. Oof. And that, I mean, seriously, it was just like, I did not want to start drinking at nine o'clock in the morning. <laughs> but, I mean, I would have just, yeah. you know, cause you want you, like you said, you want to escape, you want to get out of it. And then that's I why I drink. I'm not it, sure. That's also like, that's also a that thirsty stuff. time of day. That is a very is. thirsty time of day. <laughs> it's 9 a.m. So, it is. Doug, looking forward, man. I mean, like, so again, it is the start of year three, and suddenly everything seems to be unraveling a little bit, right? It seems right. less certain than it was before. Everyone I know has Omicron. Not everyone, but Sean yeah. is one of them. It, it it's going to be pervasive. It doesn't seem to be as devastating, but I, I believe the epidemiologists, like we're yeah. all going to get this right. And between my three jobs, I am in front of the public a lot. And despite my constant hand washing and mask wearing and doing the right things, you know, both my wife and child have had it. I, it, it to me, it seems like a mathematical <clears throat> inevitability. Sure. So it's changed the nature of what we're doing, right? Like everything was going up and now Minneapolis and St. Paul mask mandates, lots yeah. of other suburbs mask mandates and and some even like harsher things like it looks like I don't think we're going to be closing down entirely, but the, the future is less certain than it seemed a couple months ago when things yes, seemed to be moving in the right so. direction. Mm -hmm. yep. So as a performer and as someone who thrives and also requires this sort of thing for a portion of your income. Yeah. When you look forward to 2022, and of course it's impossible, I'm not asking you to predict the future, you know, put the envelope to your head and tell me what it's gonna be like, but what does, what do you feel today about 2022 and what it means for a performer like yourself as we look forward? I, it's so weird because, you know, this is this, you know, basically kind of like the third wave we've gone through, right? First yes. one was terrible because we had no idea. Then it yep. was summer. And summer, I remember seeing you guys, it was your year anniversary party yeah. or something like that outside of 38th and uh, and Buster's and yeah. Yeah. seeing that. And that was great because it's just like I didn't I could see people and that was so life affirming. And then it got to be winter, but then we got all vaxxed and then, you know, blah, blah, blah. And now we're back where we were. I want to I wish I could say that I feel super hopeful i don't feel unhopeful i just don't feel regular kind of hope i don't know the thing is i don't know yeah that's yeah. the thing I, well, i've been telling i have friends of mine who keep saying oh this is going to happen and this is going to happen and my one thing is just like i think i know a, enough to say that i have no idea and i want but i want i want it to go back somehow to like gigs and people and hugs you know? and, and to be clear, it was a very unfair question because I, I don't expect you to predict the future, but I ask every artist or every person who, you know, part of who they are and what they do is dealing with the public, yeah. how they feel about the future. And of course, uncertainty is the defining principle, unfortunately, yeah. for far yeah. too long, man. I mean, like, I think that's part of what's churning our guts. It's certainly part of what's churning my guts. And uh and I just, you know, I hope for the best and we hope for things to get better, but yeah. who knows? So again, give me your website one more time. DougCollinsMusic.com. Never heard of it. All right. I very good. Get, so I'd be surprised. Okay. Uh, turf Club down. next Saturday. You said Turf Club next Saturday. Turf what Club time? On 121, the palindromic day. It's a Friday. Me, Terry Walsh and the Belfast Cowboys and Rich Madsen and the Minnesota North Stars. Holy shit. That's a lineup, man. That that's is a lineup. Real. I know. Wow. All right. Well, be vaxxed. Wear a mask. We love you all. So I'll be out of quarantine by then. I'll be there. Yes. So I'm vaxxed. I'm boosted. I have a 
KN95. Is that what they're called? Yeah, I, it's I not a KS95. Settle down. <laughs> City's 97.1 uniquely <laughs> twin city. All right. Exactly. Um, uh, thanks to all of our sponsors. Thanks to all of our Patreon members. <laughs> thanks to everybody who's ever boosted, supported, subscribed, or done anything to promote this podcast. We really are very grateful. And Doug, thank you. This is a long overdue meeting, and I'm glad to have you here. Before thank we say so goodbye, much. we do thanks, have Doug. to hear about your final song, My Friends. Tell me about it, and we'll, we'll let this take us out. Well, first of all, thanks so much for having me. This is a wonderful time. This this is wonderful. It's great. I hope you both feel better. Thank you. And um, my friends, it was just like one, you know, when you're on the road a lot, you know, your mind, that's why I write a lot because your mind just goes, you know, and I was thinking how grateful I was. And there's not a lot of songs about gratitude. And I just wanted to say like, you know, I had gone through a divorce and, you know, we all have those times in our lives that aren't good. And, you know, I was lucky enough to have people who I was able to reach out and connect with. And that's what this song is kind of celebrating. And also kind of, it was very much like Jim Walsh used to do a, the, the a hoot every so often. Yes. And just seeing that, seeing that collection of people. Yes. And seeing how the support was in that group of just like, people wanted to hear music and, you know, and the musicians getting, you know, response, you know. All right, anyway, I'm getting teary. So um, yes. yeah, it's, um, it's a song about friends. It's called My Friends. All right, well, and also, before we go, this show is all about crying. I almost cried twice during the show. Yep. Managed to hold it back. But if you ever feel like letting it open up, this, oh, um, as I said before, is a safe place. Yeah, thank you. Love you, Doug Collins. You're, you're a great Love dude. Love you guys. Thank yep, you so yep. much. Take care. All right, take care. Can I tell you something about my friends? Can I tell you something about my friends? They picked me up when I wanted to give in. Can I tell you something about my friends? Well, I was down. I was down. Lord, I was laid out on the floor. But guess what? They held me up. Can I tell you something about my friends? Can I tell you something about my friends? They helped me out when I wanted to give in. Can I tell you something about my friends? Something.